Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am super pumped that you are listening. This is a podcast by a 20-something or 20-somethings or 20-somethings at heart. The desire to dive into the real and the raw, the uncomfortable and the messy. My desire is that you would encounter the Lord and feel encouraged, inspired, and challenged to chase after Jesus in this crazy time of life. I'm so glad you're here. So grab something refreshing and let's get on with it. This week on the podcast, I've got Ruth Simons. Ruth is the mastermind behind Grace Laced, where she has beautiful content. You guys should totally check out her art because it's so beautiful. I have it in my own home. Her blog is amazing as well, and you can purchase all of her art on the Grace Lace website and in her online shop. Ruth and I had a great time chatting about how tough it is to understand our worth and identity in Christ in our 20s. I really felt like Ruth and I were just chatting over coffee about life in her 20s and how God has transformed her over the years. It was such a pleasure, so I guess I'll let you guys have a listen in. Here is my episode with Ruth Chow Simons. Hey Ruth, welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. I am super pumped to have you. I've been looking forward to our conversation, so welcome on. Hey, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about you, what your life looks like these days. Sure. I'm Ruth Simons. I am an author, an artist, and I run a website called gracelace.com that started off as a blog um, like 11, 12 years ago um, when I was a young mom in in full-time ministry with my husband um, and now has become a place where we sell my artwork, my scripture prints, and um, just resources for beauty and truth around the world. So um, I work with a team of other five other women around the country and a few men on the team as well. But we are a small team that um, really care about God's word being adorned by beauty in our lives and um, really getting the gospel mm-hmm. in tangible ways in people's lives. And so I'm really honored to be able to do that both with speaking and writing and um as well as paintings. I'm a mom. Well, and I didn't mention personally, I'm a mom. There oh, you thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a wife to Troy and we've been married for 20 years and I am a mom to six boys. My oldest is 16 and my youngest is five. And so I am kind of in two different stages in motherhood right now. And yeah. it's always a learning process. So um, so that's my mission field right at home. That's crazy. Did you sure. always like see yourself as being a boy mom or was that like a total shock to well, you? Hey. <laughs> no, if you read my profile <laughs> on Instagram, the very first word on that profile is unlikely mom, right? Because I think in all of us have that story. All of us have a story where we can basically say, I am the most unlikely person for this thing that God has called me to, mm-hmm. but he calls us to the most unlikely things so that he can be made great and he can be made known, not our skill set, not us. And so for me, he happened to do that with my motherhood journey because I, gosh, this is going to sound embarrassingly funny. And I don't know if I've ever said this on a podcast, but when we got 
engaged. You know how people go and like um, register for gifts and stuff? Yeah. And you know, most girls are like, I'm so excited. We're going to Target or wherever you're going to go or West Elm. And you're going to go right down all the things that you would love to have in your home. Yeah. Guess who basically hated that process? I literally, my husband, Troy, at the time, took the little scanner clicker thing, went around and was like, okay, I guess I'll pick out towels. I guess I'll, I just <laughs> was so not domestic, no desire for things at home, didn't long to be a mom, none of that. Isn't that funny? Wow. And um, I remember thinking, well, maybe it'll be fun to have a boy and a girl. And I was kind of more into it for like the accessories that come with having yeah. children. I'm being so <laughs> honest. You know, it's just, I was yeah. young and really kind of thought it was more about me. And so the fact that I have six boys isn't <laughs> accidental. It's ultimately a reminder that God changes our hearts. He yeah. bends our desires, grows us. And I think I just fell in love with how much motherhood changes me and gives me an opportunity mm-hmm. to be, to have my weakness play out in fruitfulness somehow. And so anyway, that's. Yeah. And yeah. that's amazing. And not just a few, but six of them. <laughs> It's a pretty energetic around our house, but um, it's, I'm in a new stage where my 16 year old is graduating from high school and he is certainly a young man. I mean, he is not a boy anymore and mm-hmm. he's one of my best friends. I enjoy Aww. him so much and we get into wonderful conversations. He makes me laugh. I tease him. We arm wrestle occasionally and I lose <laughs> very quickly and um, <laughs> we just have to together. It's good. Right. It's That's good. It's good. They're like getting, yeah, he's totally getting to the place where you guys can like actually have like real good conversations. So that's amazing. For sure. I love that. And I love your art and all my listeners should definitely go check out Grace Lace because it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. What a, what a great, what a great job slash just a passion for you. Right. Oh, you know, it's funny because, um, I think about your listener and I think about how, um, a lot of times when we're young and we have giftings, I mean, I graduated college with an art degree and had all, all these ideas of how mm-hmm. I was going to use it for the Lord. Um, well, actually, initially, I didn't have all these ideas for how I was going to use it for the Lord. I had all these ideas for how I wanted to be great and how mm-hmm. I wanted to be in a gallery or how I wanted people to know me. And, you know, the Lord did not allow those particular visions that I had made up plans I had made for myself. He didn't really open doors for those things. And I'm so glad he didn't because, um, yeah, right now when you see this like great blessing of being able to use these giftings in an, in a worldwide stage like this, mm-hmm. um, I really feel like this comes at the end of having let go of it and really surrendered it back to the Lord. Yeah. We can talk more about that, but yeah. that's just, it's just the entry of how, how the last 20 years have looked for me. Yeah, for sure. And and I would love to talk to you more about that and, you know, just bouncing around things that I have really desired to talk about on the podcast. And I think this one is just um, really overarching for, you know, because most of my listeners are in their 20s, you know, either college, coming out of college and, and just like that wrestle with like, who are we in Christ, like our identity and just like putting worth maybe and other things um, besides the Lord, but also just like, Lord, what are you doing? And, and why did you make me this way? And like, what am I supposed to do with these gifts that you've given me? So right. um, could you think of maybe like some things that 
typically maybe think about yourself or just like um, those that you've seen around you, like in their 20s, like what do you think we are typically tempted to put like worth and value in other than the Lord? I think because we're so easily driven by fear and approval and the desire to um, win affirmation. Um, I think we're so easily tr- fearful of how we define ourselves. We're, we're so, you know, we think about the clothes we wear, where do we shop? What is somebody going to think of my style? We're so bound by that. And, and I think in your early twenties, it's so easy to feel like you have one shot at defining your career. And if you don't, it's all over. Like mm-hmm. there's one wrong move and then you'll waste your gifts or you'll waste your time or you'll be behind. I think the twenties, it's just such a funny time where sometimes we buy into the lie that there's a time line for things. There's a time to get married. There's a time to buy your first house. There's a season where you should travel. Otherwise you won't be able to, and maybe you should be a missionary at this time because somehow you won't have that opportunity again. And so I think when I look back at my twenties, I think there was a lot of, there's just a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, I wouldn't have called it that. I wouldn't have admitted to that, but I think during that time, um, a lot of the things that caused me to feel anxious and panicky were so um, rooted in me trying to define myself apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. I was trying so hard to make sure that I made the choices that would somehow um, make everybody proud, cause me to feel good about myself, mean that I Basically, we always try to make choices that don't cause pain, right? We're just like, I don't want to date the wrong guy because if I do, it'll cause pain and I will have to like deal with conflict. I don't want to, you know, all these scenarios, whatever scenario it is, you could probably trace your way back and say, I'm basically trying to do the perfect thing so that I can avoid failure and pain. Mm. That's the bottom line. We don't want to fail. We don't want to, and even like accepting a job, I think sometimes you're so nervous about your first job because you think, well, what if this leads to not, you know, enjoying it? What if I fail at it? What if, well, all those things. And Mm. so I think what we, what would have made a big, big difference and what ultimately made a difference for me in my twenties is recognizing that who God is and what he says about who we are ends up changing everything. And I know that um, you might, you and your listeners might have heard me say that before in that um, it's a theme in Grace Lays the book. Mm-hmm. But I think what we don't realize is the more we recognize that we are failures, like we mm-hmm. actually are not enough. We actually do not have what it takes to make the right decisions, to think the right thoughts. I don't even think rightly about God every moment of the day yeah, at all, you know, that I am incapable apart from Christ. I will not have a great track record. And so the more I is, I can recognize that, um, I'm actually so imperfect, Mm -hmm. but then to recognize how greatly loved and incredibly welcomed I am, that juxtaposition causes you to see the whole, your whole life in a different you know, lens, it's a different lens when you realize, oh my goodness, the whole point of every decision I make is for God to show me that he's my father, Mm. to show me how he provides for me, 
to show me that I was created to be an image bearer and a reflector of his beauty. When you start seeing that the whole purpose of every Mm -hmm. left turn, right turn, every, every relationship you're in actually is not about you, but to glorify him, Mm -hmm. it takes the pressure off, right? Mm -hmm. It causes you to realize that every step of your journey is for your sanctification, Mm -hmm. not for you to show off your, your skill set or how amazing you are. Um, and that, when you, that pressure is taken off and you end up wanting to glorify him most, um, that's when the, I guess that's when the magic happens. That's when he actually f- causes you to feel free yeah. in using your gifts in your relationships. You become that person who can be vulnerable in relationships and, um, and not have regrets in them. Yeah, that's good. I know. I feel like I was thinking about how, like all your life, you know, you're in school and then you get to college and, you know, you're educated in the field that you want to do. And so it's like this whole build up to, okay, now go and like do it all and like go and survive in the world, you know? And so there's like, you you said, you know, like pr- almost like a pressure in your 20s to just like succeed yeah. at everything all of a sudden. And that's just not reality or to, you know... And a lot of that comes with just like being selfish and thinking like, you know, making a lot of selfish deci- decisions and realizing those aren't aren't necessarily going to get you anywhere. And, and like you said, instead, those are like those end up pointing you back to the father and realizing, oh, wait, I kind of do suck. And the you know, like this world is really, really broken. And oh, my goodness, I really need a yeah. savior. All the things that we try to accomplish ultimately is in order for us to try to put ourselves out there in a way to, in some strange way, almost to declare ourselves not in need of a savior, mm-hmm. right? If you think about it, everything we're trying to do always ends up, ends up being some, in our own strength, is some way of testifying like, oh, I am good on my own. I do make holy choices. Mm-hmm. I am, um, I do have it all together. And the more we focus on being perfect, the more we're really saying, I don't need a savior at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that as I was listening to you talk, I was actually thinking about the fact that all of education, even for those who are, have just graduated from college, if you look back to what our education process is like or what the world points to, it's always about what you produce. It's mm-hmm. always about the role and what you're going to do, the role you're going to have, what you're going to, um, what you're going to say you do with your life. Mm-hmm. We're not really focused so much as a culture on who we're going to be. Who are we is not the main question. It's the what will you do? And if you look at God's word and the way God works, he's not actually as obsessed about anybody's title, anybody's rank or role or how much money they make, how many followers they have, mm-hmm. what they how popular they are, what they actually do or don't do perfectly with their gifts. He cares about the heart, right? Over and over again, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we're always looking at how God looks on the heart. He chooses, he chooses his servants based on heart, based on their, their Christ word, their God word focus. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think about what you said about this pressure of the to suddenly perform and do really well and make no mistakes and make lots of money. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's the culmination of what 
we're so obsessed by in this culture. We're so obsessed with what we can produce and show that we're doing to the world when um, the things that are unseen and the hidden parts of our hearts and that's what the Lord's looking at. That's what he cares most about. And from the inside out, it really does transform ultimately the work of our hands, our Mm -hmm. obedience, all those things matter. It's not that obedience and faithfulness doesn't matter. It's that those things are byproducts of what's going on in our hearts. Mm. I think almost every 20 something would be able to say that we've put a lot of identity, like you said, into things that we do or putting our identity in it's very numbers based. Like you said, our whole education system is like your grades and like how, what you produce. And so turning like our gaze from this, like what you do is your identity to know who you are is your identity. And, and we know who we are because of who Christ says we are. And so what did that look like for you in your twenties? Like, were you kind of in the same boat of, of just caring a lot about what, Uh, you were producing and your art and things like that. Like, what was it like for you? Well, let me tell you a a quick story in that once I graduated from college, uh, my husband and I made a decision to go to seminary. We were going to be in a two year seminary program and that would be our like shoe in easy next step to go and apply to be career missionaries on the mission field. So then we would have a master's degree. We would be full-time missionaries and somehow it was like the big badge of like, I will now be serving the Lord the way someone should when they are like, (laughs) take my life, Lord, here am I, send me. That was the epitome in my mind, right? You go to seminary, you do these two years, you get a master's degree, and you go overseas, learn a different language forevermore, that kind of thing. Well, we got out there and one, and out there was the Bay Area at the time. Golden Gate Seminary was, um, is now in Southern California, but at the time it was in Northern California. And, um, I, I won't, this is not a long enough podcast, but I'll just make it real short. One, it was our first year of marriage and a few months in, we kind of realized that our marriage, Troy, Troy literally said this. He goes, um, if Paul talks about Christ in the church being kind of like a representation of like husband and wife, like husband and wife, like show the, the intimacy and the relationship and the way, the role of um, Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our marriage is actually doing a really good job testifying to the relationship God has with his bride, the church. Wow. And I was like, Oh, before, after I got over the part where I was like, that's really deep. And what do you mean? <laughs> I realized what he meant. What he, what he meant was we're not healthy. Like we had a lot of stuff that we brought into our marriage, communication issues, um, relational baggage, identity issues, family things, a lot of things that just were not being worked out really well. And so um, as, as a young couple, we were needing to not just output but have some input that was a little bit more genuine. And he was really bringing up the issue of like, I don't know if this is healthy for us to like apply and go overseas and be career missionaries right here, right now, when we're not necessarily in the bright program, we're not studying the right things for what, where we're at right now. And long story short, we walked away and moved to a small town, helped his brother run a business. And I worked at a clothing store. 
And I remember thinking to myself, I mean, I was mid twenties right then. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh my goodness, that's it. Like that's the lamest thing ever. You don't leave a graduate degree, basically throw up your hands and realize that your marriage is not super healthy and that you need to like work on things (laughs) and move to a small town where you basically it's not mover or shakerville. You can't like get ahead on anything and you basically work in a small clothing store and like, you know, talk to locals. But you know what happened during that two years of my life that we were there? Um, I thought, Oh, I'm so miserable. Who am I? I remember laying there on the couch watching Oprah. And, um, I gotta just tell you, these were the days when Oprah was fulfilling people's dreams all the time. Right, Do you right. remember? Yeah, that? of course. You, have you yeah. heard of that? Yes. She was giving away houses, giving <laughs> yeah. away people's like dream lives. And right. I'd be like, my dreams, Come my on, dreams. <laughs> and you know what the Lord, I know I'm just giving you the full picture of how desperate and how self-centered I was really thinking it's all about my dreams. They're, my ship's passing me by. I was early mid twenties. And I just remember looking back now and going, Oh my goodness, the Lord had to pull me away from everything I felt self-sufficient in. Yeah. Okay. I could like conquer that dream. I could get that degree. I could pass that interview. We could nail it on all these things. Hmm. I mean, I could probably have even written into Oprah and gotten my dream, you know, taken care of, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The Lord caused me to, caused my husband and I both to ultimately invest in the most unseen little corner of the universe where I went to work and invested in young ladies mm-hmm. who shared their life stories with me. I got to share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. I got to talk about, yeah, putting together an outfit for somebody who walked in, but ultimately befriended people in my community. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately it was a lifelong lesson of God's not really impressed when I say, here are all my giftings, let me just go to the ends of the earth for you, Lord. Mm-hmm. I had to start with being willing to die to some of those things and serve him wherever he had me. And he had me right down on Main Street of a little town that I had knew nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to learn how to just love others with the gospel right there first. Because if I couldn't do that there, why could I go to the ends of the earth right. with it? And so. Um, so it was a really valuable lesson that I had put so much of my identity in the degree, mm-hmm. the title, the exact job with the exact missions organization, going somewhere where I could write this newsletter home and say, look what I'm doing for the Lord. And instead, um, there were, there was what felt like a wilderness season, mm-hmm. a time when I was like, I can't cling to any of those markers as, as identity things. The only thing I've really got is Christ in me. And if I don't know who he is and why I'm significant because Christ is my all, then I don't have a story to tell anyway. And so that's where I started. Mm. And it really shaped and changed my marriage and shaped and changed the rest of our, our lives. And, and ultimately, as the story goes, you see that the Lord's given me a platform that's much bigger than I ever expected or anticipated. And I do have a chance to minister and use my gifts. But that came years later in ways that I didn't expect. And so I'm really grateful that mm-hmm. the way God does things is so counterintuitive than um, what we would plan for ourselves. Yeah, I love that. I think that happens to a lot of people where 
like the Lord just like knocks you off your feet and like kind of strips you of things that you like thought you wanted. And like, that's where you see him most and where he clearly like did the most kingdom work in you, like with those girls in a clothing store and being able to share the gospel. And that it's not necessarily like this really pretty thing where it's like, oh, I'm in another country and sharing the gospel. But like those girls needed him too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, it's really cool. And I feel like the Lord does that to us all the time, like humbles us and says like, no, I like where I have you right now. Like I need you, I need you to bring the gospel to where you are right now. You don't need to go somewhere else to do that. I think we like buy into that lie right. that we're supposed to be doing something different, but that's, I feel like the enemy telling us, trying to convince us that where we are, where we are right now is not where God can work, but there's plenty of people around us right now where we're at. Like clearly the Lord has us where we are for a reason. Do you agree? Exactly. And, and you know, the interesting thing is uh 20 some years ago, there wasn't social media. I didn't have mm-hmm. to wrestle with some of the things that you and your read, your listeners wrestle with. And I wrestle with now, mm-hmm. which is always comparing our stories with somebody else's. It's so hard mm-hmm. not to, right? Because a million images fly by Every day, we're always seeing how somebody else is living out their giftings or how the Lord's provided for somebody else in their season or that somebody was called to Africa, mm-hmm. right? It, everybody's story is different. Just because the Lord um, didn't make a way for Troy and I to finish the degree the way we, we expected or go on the mission field the way we expected doesn't mean that he's not going to do that for somebody else. And sanctify them in the process of doing that. So it's not that my choice was the right one or the way we did it was the right one. It's just that obedience means doing exactly what the Lord's called you to do and not being so distracted by what everybody else is called to. Yeah. That's just so hard in your twenties or forties for me, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be a lifelong struggle, but it's like over time, you just are able to recognize it more and and maybe be able to like cut things out and realize, oh, that's not healthy for me to be on Instagram or that's not healthy for me to do so and so and just be able to like come back to our identity in, in that. So, you know, um, to like the girl that is like really struggling with identity and, and just struggling to believe that they're valued, what, what would you say to them? Hmm. I'd say do not open your Bible to simply find the next quick fix, feel good verse, or just a, a quick pick me up. Mm-hmm. Go deeper than that. Study the word. Look to what he says about who you are and your identity in Christ. Um, and the scriptures tell us to examine ourselves. Are you in Christ? Start there. Are you in Christ? Because you don't have an identity in Christ. Unless you really reckon with whether you're in Christ, whether you've truly submitted and said, you are Lord of my life. My life is not uh, my own and I need the forgiveness and the redemption that comes with the cross. And I want Christ to transform my life. Um, that's the first, first point. But if you are in Christ, then, then start looking to the word as God's love letter to you. Like start opening it up and say, what does it mean that I'm adopted? What does it mean that I'm welcome? What does it mean that I'm forgiven and that I'm made new? What does that mean that, that I'm truly, um, seen 
as his friend and not his enemy. What does that mean? Because I think the more we really look at that truth and not make up our own narrative of what that means, because we could, you could make up your own narrative pretty easily of what you think God must be saying. But instead, if you go to the word and say, okay, let me just really look at what Jesus says about a transform, a redeemed life. And the more you learn about that, the more you can say, I truly can say, that is who I am. I don't need to be defined by all these other things. God's already made it clear that my welcome, I get, I can waltz right in and talk to my Abba Father because that's my identity. I'm no unworthy peasant outside the gates just asking to come in. No, I have a seat at the table. And so when we start rehearsing the truth to ourselves, preaching the truth to ourselves, sowing the truth in our own hearts, rather than being on a shallow level of being like, what's my pick me up? What's the feel good thing? Mm -hmm. How do I just, there's nothing wrong with listening to praise song, but if your faith goes only as deep as the next praise song you can listen to, then you don't have the truth of God's word deeply rooted in your heart, Mm -hmm. causing you to know what the truth is when the enemy whispers all the lies of the identity you think um, you can't maintain through the world. Are there any scriptures that come to your head as maybe that we could turn to, to, um, to memorize and to, to really meditate on as far as like who God says we are? Well, there's a lot. And, um, (laughs) you know, I'm like off the top of my head, I would just say, you know, I wrote about eight of my favorite and grace laced in the second season in spring. It was um, rehearsing the truth mm. of our identity. And, and there's the beloved chapter and there's the chapter about us being a masterpiece and new creation. And though that's a good place to start. There mm. are some eight really basic ones, but you know, um, I don't know if you know that I have a book coming out this September, 2019. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I haven't I haven't publicly shared it yet, but okay. one of the key verses is about it's it's really a book about how we become, how we can behold Christ and become more like Him. And um, the key verse that really that I was meditating on so much as I was writing the book is Second Corinthians three eight three. I'm pulling it up right now. Second Corinthians three eighteen. And I'll just read it real quick. Yeah. And we all with veiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And the reason why I've been thinking on this verse is ultimately the promise and that Paul's writing this verse to remind the believer that She's being transformed that when we behold the glory of God, then we're being transformed into his likeness, the same image. We're becoming more and more like him as we behold him. Mm-hmm. And so my greatest encouragement and what's um, just on my heart always is that you really become what you behold. And that's the theme of this next book is that ultimately what you fixate on and what you think about and what your face is turned towards over and over and over again, you'll slowly become like that. Mm-hmm. And so behold Christ, behold God, be, be in awe of who he is. Be obsessed about what he says about you through redemption. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And the more you look at that, the more you turn your face and set your gaze on that, the more you'll be transformed into that likeness Mm -hmm. more and more. So that's where you'll, you'll for sure be hearing more about that as, um, as I get to talk about the book in days to come, but that's really where my heart's been at. Cool. I love that verse. And uh, we've been talking about that a lot at church as far as the part about one degree to another, like focus in, it's mm-hmm. not like a quick thing. Like you're not all of a sudden transformed into yes. his image and especially 20 somethings. Like right. I'm yes. so guilty of this. We yeah. think it's supposed to be like an mm-hmm. overnight thing. And we get so frustrated yes. when we like, aren't in that place but it's literally he it is in the bible it says from one degree to another like he is slowly yes. transforming us that is true absolutely it's a good mm-hmm. verse i really like that and i'm excited for you and your book that's gonna be awesome thank you um okay last couple of questions i ask them to every guest that comes on uh the first one is what is like one thing like if you go could go back and tell your twenty year old self, like what's one thing you wish you knew as a twenty something? I think the one thing I would go back and tell myself is, um, you won't be good at everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> and God will use all the things that you think you're not very good at. Because I mean, I don't know. I mean, not everybody's going to have the same personality, but mine was one where I just really wanted to be good at everything I did. Just, you know, failure just was felt like the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've kind of become, I've kind of grown to welcome failing, failure, disappointing others, being disappointed. Not that I aim for that, but I welcome and recognize, um, if you can't normalize repentance, if you can't normalize forgiveness, then, then you're really not living the gospel. And so if you never screw up, you're never going to see the gospel at work in your life, which is not to say we sin all the more that, but that God makes provision for the fact that in our very inability to, to be good at everything, to hold it all together, to be perfect, um, it's in that very lack that God makes himself enough mm-hmm. and that's so worth it to me. And I think in my twenties, I, I didn't look for that. I didn't welcome it. I didn't look for opportunities to recognize that I was embarrassed if I wasn't good at something. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think, okay, you know, God, I can't experience the mercy of God if I'm not wel- welcoming, um, being exposed mm-hmm. in my own weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I see that a lot in myself and my friends. Like, that's that's huge. So, thank you for that. Uh, are there any resources you could maybe put in our hands around uh, this topic of just like knowing your identity? Or again, you know, I mean, one of the biggest things that you've highlighted is just like know the word. Um, mm-hmm. But anything else that you can like think of off the top of your head? Yeah. So, I mean. This might even just be going back to even your previous question about what I wish I knew. I, I think it's probably more important now than ever before for a young woman to not be satisfied with, I don't know, just having Christian friends or following a Christian account or listening to even a good podcast like this one or a good, 
um, uh, Christian worship music. That's not enough that we need to be truly in the word or as Jen Wilkin puts it, you know, literate with our Bibles, know the full story, know the whole story, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't mean that you have to be a Bible scholar. It means that you need to persevere in reading his word and knowing from the, from the beginning to the end, what's his plan for salvation and why does he put us right in the middle of it? And so I think resources would be to actually read your Bible every day, which is hard even for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just because I'm in the, the, the ministry and the work of sharing the gospel doesn't mean it's easy for me to be in the word. Um, I think reading really good books that help draw your attention to gospel living is so important. Um, the one that my team and I are finishing up is called 12 ways your phone is changing you oh, by Tony Rinke. Uh, so good. It's so good. Right. And it's so important for, because you know, 20, 30 years from now, the context will be different. But right now, at this exact moment, um, women of all ages and men too, but my sisters in Christ need to, to get real about why we are so distracted, get real about why we're so afraid of missing out and why we feel so blue when we're not on social media, things like that. And so I think it's really good to get to the heart of it, not because the book has any formulaic answers, but because it will um, probably convict us in the way totally. our hearts are bent. So so that's a resource. And um, yeah, I, I think having audio Bible is an opportunity for us to just not be so consumed with, because even good podcasts, right, can be mm-hmm. an opportunity, could be something where we're just, wanting another tool rather than going to God's word himself. And sometimes something, you know, I've been thinking about is how much I talk to others about what I want to do for God, what I want to offer to him, how I want them to know about God. And I talk about him more than I talk to him. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's a wonderful habit to form in your twenties mm-hmm. is to not feel like you're lonely if you're not surrounded by friends, Mm -hmm. but to go to him and have and welcome alone time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That's good. I like your point about like, am I talking about him more than I'm actually talking to him, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but like, how can we really get to know the one that we're talking about (laughs) unless we're talking to him? You know, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, we live in a time where none of us pretty much are never alone. Mm -hmm. Even if you're alone, you're either listening to something or you're checking social media, you're commenting. We're always connected, mm-hmm. but I don't think we've ever felt more lonely sometimes or more distant from the Lord. Yeah. And I think it's because we're so caught up with superficial interaction and so constant, the constant like surface stroking of our egos, the surface stroking and the surface of affect affirmation that we get from social media and everything else that's going on. Um, that God, the way God works is so much deeper than that. And it takes time and it takes space and it takes being quiet before the Lord. It's not going to be some quick, um, quick affirmation, this easy fix to things. So that's yeah. just, that's all. I just wanted to add that in. No, yeah, thank you for that because it's so true. And and I catch that myself all the time where I'm like, 
watching TV and I have my computer up with things going on and then I'm checking my phone and I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally have three screens out right now. Or, you know, just like even sitting for like five minutes and just like quiet, even if I'm just like eating or or reading or or just like doing nothing. And I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something. Like what's going on? And it's just like <laughs> our 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 devices have trained us that way to like always get like that this like instant gratification or just to like constantly have our yeah. mind distracted and like what would happen if we actually like sit in silence and and if we couldn't fall asleep last night or at night and like didn't pull out our phone and just like sat there and prayed or you know what would that look like um to to create more silence instead of always being distracted okay last question i have for you uh what is refreshing you these days this could be anything that is just like giving you life well i i feel like i say this a lot but um i love going jeeping with my boys right now <laughs> which is I, if anybody and i and i that's my most honest answer but it's just so funny to say it out loud because i'm like wow that feels so cliche like to go on top of a mountain but it really is so refreshing i think i lived um most of my life in the city mm-hmm. and um god gifted me with six boys and a husband who love being outdoorsy and rugged and getting in a four-wheel drive vehicle and traversing roads that other people don't go on very often. <laughs> and um, at first, I really made me miserable. But um, now I'm finding, and and as pertains to your, read, your listener, I would say not everybody gets to go on top of a mountain mm-hmm. in their neighborhood, you know, where they live. You may not get in a four-wheel drive vehicle, but the way this relates to everybody is Go get wowed by the Lord's creation, mm-hmm. whatever that means, right? For me, it means that sometimes I go jeeping. I, I do the thing that my sons love to do and go, go on this bumpy road and I get to the top and I go, holy smokes, he, he's here. He's, he made all this and he's so much bigger than me. And so whatever it takes, wherever you're at mm-hmm. to be in awe that he is so much bigger than your little self-centered world, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I just get so narrow-minded about, oh, the decisions I have to make, all the big struggles I have, when really, when you get, whether it's outside or um, even if it means that you, for me, it's getting outside, but sometimes it means you go and listen to an incredible piece of music. But I think refreshing for me right now is whatever it takes for me to get outside of my own personal work mm-hmm. and recognize that God is at work and he's so much bigger than me. So, so yeah, for, for me, the refreshing thing is actually going to do something very guy, like um, <laughs> driving up to the top of a mountain and, um, and yeah. having a 360 view of his creation. So. I'm so jealous of that. I so wish I could do that. I know it's easy. Like when you live there to be like, Oh yeah, just another, you know, I'm like, Oh, I would love to be able to just go and and be in the mountains. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, hiking, I think I used to hate hiking. Oh, my goodness. I was like, why would you want to do this? It's so whatever. (laughs) But now I'm realizing more and more that, you know, like, it's nice when you get to slow down enough to take notice of what he's made. Mm -hmm. And you don't always get to do that. And so 
whatever that takes. Maybe it means for the girls who live in the middle of a city or in the suburbs, um, get outside. And if you're looking for it, you'll find his creation and it'll wow you. And I think, um, we get so much less impressed with ourselves when we're impressed with him. And so that's what I need right now. I'm in big time in need of taking my eyes off of myself and all that I've got going on. That's good. Thank you for that, Ruth. And thank you so much for coming on and just speaking over ladies in their 20s. And I think it's all going to really resonate with us. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, it was so fun. Thanks, Ruth. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Ruth today. You guys totally need to go check out her blog, Grace Laced, and her shop, and all of her beautiful art. You can also check her out on Instagram. I will link her on my Instagram page. So if you're not already following my Instagram page, go follow. I would love and appreciate if you would leave a rating and review if you loved this episode. Maybe share it with a friend or share it on Instagram stories so that other people can hear uh, about this podcast and be encouraged um, by the people that have come on. Also, you guys need to go check out the email updates that I'm sending out each week because I give you some clues into who's coming up in the future and some important other updates that aren't as easy to share on Instagram and things like that. So you can go find that on my website or on my Instagram and you can sign up for weekly updates to get links to resources and all kinds of good jazz like that. So go sign up for those email updates. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ruth and we'll see you back next week. Stay fresh, my people.